Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy is a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to another episode of the show. This episode of the Therapy is a Christian podcast is brought to you by Christ Couch. Hey, girl. So if you're not familiar with Christ Couch, let me tell you all about it. So every single Monday, I send an email to my email list that is filled with so much information, so much value every single Monday. And I love to call it Christ Couch. Christ Couch is a place where we discuss countless topics, gather together as girlfriends, and share our daily walk through life, all while uplifting one another. Over time, I have been able to learn that Christ allows us to experience his goodness and true vulnerability through relationships. So let's take a seat and share it all on the couch. In this Monday email that you will receive every single Monday from me at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, you'll get a full-on devotional and prayer, a little Motivation Monday, I like to call it, where you get to start the week off with a little motivation and a weekly mental health tip that you can weekly and very easily add to your life. So if you're interested in Christ Couch, definitely go to the link in my show notes, completely free to you. You'll get an email every single Monday from me, and I cannot wait to share with you all the amazing things on the couch. Now let's get back to the show. Hey, sis. So I wanted to talk to y'all today about this episode before we start. I have really, really tried to figure out a way to just talk about this topic in particular over the past couple of years since I've been podcasting because I feel like it is such a layered conversation when it comes to how do you deal with disappointment? How do you deal with resentment, forgiveness because of my own personal just my own personal experience with it. So I'm going to give a little story time and then we'll get into the episode. So recently me and my husband and my beautiful baby boy took a trip to Dallas. And for those of you that don't know, okay, so I didn't tell y'all this. So actually a couple of months ago, me and my husband have been having this ongoing conversation about moving and we've been talking about it and just getting out of Tennessee just because Girl, ain't nothing in Tennessee, but also too with having our son, we've been talking a lot about where we want him to be raised and grow up, and just having the ability to have a lot more freedom to do stuff and be in a melting pot of people, not just you know being surrounded by African Americans, but also Memphis got a lot of black people, y'all. Like we got a lot of black people here, but also being able to experience other races and nationalities, and just him being able to experience life in a different way. 
so I've prayed about this before to God and this urgency, I mean, like urgency about Texas was coming up like constantly in my prayer time. And so I told my husband about it and he was like, well, we won't know until we visit. And so we kind of like left it alone because of course we're in the middle still of a panini and panini meaning pandemic. And I was telling him like, well, we need to really like go visit Texas. And we didn't have a particular place in Texas, but Dallas came up constantly because one, I have a lot of friends in Dallas actually. And one of my best friends actually just moved to Dallas last year. But my dad also lives in Dallas. And so for those of you that don't know, I've talked about multiple times on this podcast how I don't really have the best relationship with my dad. It's something, and this is something I'm first time I've shared publicly. I've shared a little bit on my close friends on my Instagram, but I don't really have the most close relationship with him because of so many things that have happened in my life. So him and my mom were married for about a little over 20 something years. And throughout my childhood until my adulthood, I never really had a communicative relationship with him. We mostly just kind of, mm, he's my dad. It is what it is. Even though my parents were married so long, like, let's get that correct. He lived with us. He was in my life. Like he was constant, consistently in my life up until high school. But I never really had a communicative relationship with him that meant you know, we would really, really communicate. And so as this is going on and as like, you know, we're talking about going to Dallas, my husband is literally on me about, you need to go tell your dad that we're coming to Dallas. And I was like, no, like I'm not doing that. Why? Backtrack. Because I'm like, I don't talk to him. So to me, it's like, if I don't really talk to you, there's really no point of me really trying to have a communicative relationship with you to tell you I'm in the city to come see you. And I don't even talk to you. It's like, I don't talk to you. It is what it is. And y'all know those relationships and especially when you have daddy issues, like it's really sensitive to you. But Nico kept, kept, kept really, really getting on me about this. And I was just like, I don't want to see this man. Like, why are you pestering me about this? And it was bringing up a lot of triggers for me because I'm like, you especially should understand how much this means to me. Like my parental relationships can be a trigger. Like they can be extremely a trigger. And so I was getting frustrated with him about it up until the day we left. And so I called my dad and I was like, hey, come to Dallas. I just left it alone. We didn't see him up until the last day. And I'll summarize the time that we saw him. It was very interesting to me. And I say interesting because I'm still even processing that. Because it's not in my routine to contact my dad. It's not in my routine to have communication with him. So for me to actually take the time to take the step to see him and actually see him in person, let alone even, you know, bringing my son around, it was a pull emotionally for me. But the visit was very interesting in that I recognized that we are really the exact same person. Personality-wise, we look the same, communicative in the sense of what we talk about. He is extremely deep. He loves having deep conversations. And I never really like knew my mom to really have deep, deep conversations about things that were beyond God or even things that were beyond, you know, just like, I can't really describe it, but we were having deep conversations about, you know, finding yourself and all of those kinds of things that were beyond spiritual life. Like me and my mom talk about God all the time. But I I can recognize that with him, we were talking a lot about 
just some stuff related to deep rooted things. And I recognized in the moment caught myself that we are like the exact same person. And so when I bring up disappointment, I want to layer this in with my own experience, but I also want to layer this into something that may be, you know, impactful for you. I used to be really disappointed by the things that I thought my dad was doing based on the expectation I wanted him to do. And now granted, he wasn't the best dad and, and wasn't, okay? So it's like, let me just say, but there was so much trauma based in my perception of what happened. And also there was a lot of trauma based in what actually happened. Him and my mom divorcing was extremely traumatic. Watching their relationship before my eyes when I was in late elementary school, all through middle school, early high school was very traumatic. And so watching these things as a kid, you build up this heart of disappointment, unforgiveness, and really sadness towards a person and the way your life kind of has gone because of these things that your parents choose that you have no control over. But when you become an adult, you then have to live with, like you have to live with the thoughts you had when you were a kid. You live with the choices they made. You live with what they say to you every day. You live with the way they perceive your relationship to be with them, even as an adult, because there are a lot of parents who do not know how to parent adult children. They still see us little kids when there's a large portion of our life we spend not as our parents' children. And I say that out of respect because there is an aspect of respect to parents, but I also, as an adult, have the ability to put in boundaries. And when I say no to something or I don't agree with something, it's not as a deem of disrespect or out of alignment of honoring you. But there are things as an adult that I can choose to do for my own life that have nothing to do with my parents. And so there's this huge like bubble when it comes to parent and child relationships that I've learned over time. A lot of it is tied to disappointment. It is tied to what we, especially as millennials, are learning and unlearning that we are dealing with and having to walk through the generational cycles and overcoming the generational cycle so that our children don't have to deal with it. A lot of unparenting, reparenting, and a lot of what we have come to and have to deal with the ugly stuff is the uncomfortable feeling of disappointment of there's an expectation I have as a parent that even as a new parent that I'm experiencing, I realize that there's a huge level of fear in me for certain things when it comes to my son that I did not realize until I became a parent. But that fear was a lot that I was transferred out of things that I experienced as a kid. And so I want to talk about disappointment in detail. I want to talk about what this looks like in general with a parental relationship, but I also want to talk about this in a general sense, but especially disappointment in parental relationships and expectations. So let's talk about, you know, disappointment within itself. So as an emotion, this is what, based in my research, researchers describe disappointment as a form of sadness, a feeling of loss, an uncomfortable space for a painful gap between our expectations and reality. When we believe that there's something we must have to be happy and fulfilled, we can set ourselves up for disappointment. The other part of this is that, you know, where do feelings of disappointment come from? When unrealistic expectation doesn't match the circumstance, we don't accept what happened. And if we have a high expectation around a situation and outcome, we experience an even more intense disappointment. The third source of disappointment comes from our experiences in childhood. And so 
when we're looking at, you know, disappointment, a lot of us can't even really verbalize that that's what we're experiencing. One thing I've noticed with clients or things that I've worked through and with people just in general and just conversations I've had is that a lot of times disappointment is wrapped up in bitterness and resentment. It's wrapped up in a lot of self-isolation. It's also wrapped up in a lot of feelings of just anger, anger, just a lot of anger towards a situation in someone because we feel like you should have fulfilled this for me. You should have fulfilled up to the expectation. Why didn't you do that? And because you didn't do that, I don't have an understanding of why you didn't do that. Or there's just a lot of anger towards this situation. And so because there's a lot of anger towards this situation, you have bitterness, you have a lot of resentment, you have a lot of anger, you have a lot of just frustration, you get really triggered by a person and their actions. And you also like blatantly feel rejected. You can also feel, especially with rejection, there's a huge feeling of self-doubt and worthiness and also feeling, will this be what I experience forever? And when you experience that continuously, constantly over and over, that can lead to depression. That can lead to anxiety. It can even lead to feelings of suicide. That's how deep this goes. And this is why Jesus talked a lot about forgiving your brother, but this can be really layered, especially if it's tied to childhood. And it's really hard when we don't have the tools to know how to verbalize that we're disappointed. I'm going to link below the episode about how to express feelings, because this is going to give you another layer of how to describe this. And so when we're talking a little bit more about disappointment, how can disappointment affect a person? I'm just going to give you a very brief sense of what I discovered when I was doing my research. Being disappointment also increases a risk of physical and emotional difficulties such as headache, stomach problems, and overperspiration. It even can lead to chronic stress if we're very disappointed for long periods of time. Chronic stress chronic stress. So feeling constantly stressed out. I go back to the episode where I talked about how to emotionally deal with finding purpose. And I want to talk about this very transparently. There were times where I was extremely disappointed in God because I felt like God wasn't showing up for me. And I say that very openly because what it built for me was anger towards the father. It built a lot of how are you this good God, but you don't really hear me? You don't hear my prayers. How are you this good God, but you don't really, really show up for me? How are you this good God, but I feel this so much? Not knowing that a lot of my disappointment was tied to people. It was tied to my own expectations of the way I wanted things to be, but that had nothing to do with God. A lot of what my instant gratification wanted. So when I asked God for it, when I asked him for it, and he didn't show up in a certain time frame, I was disappointed in him, which then further led to me blaming him and constantly using that as a tool to say, I don't want to follow Jesus because it's too hard and God doesn't do what he said he going to do. Like y'all, this is so layered. And so what happens with disappointment? This is my own thought process. This ain't something I found on the internet. I really feel like disappointment or unrealistic expectation. I say unrealistic because sometimes our expectation can be realistic. We think that we expect people to be this way. We expect things to happen this way. We expect this to happen, but sometimes they're unrealistic. When that expectation is not met, it leads to disappointment, which then leads to resentment. 
And what does resentment look like? It is so, so, so hurtful. It is very, very layered, but also resentment has a lot to do with unforgiveness. Resentment in definition means a bitter indignation at having been treated unfairly. This is where bitterness comes from. This is where displeasure comes from. This is where dissatisfaction comes from. This is where hatred comes from. This is where jealousy comes from. These are the things that really, really just like, it sends you, sis. It sends you off. And let's just take a deeper level of bitterness. Bitterness in definition is anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly, resentment. And so this is when we're in the Bible and the Bible says, put away all bitterness. Bitterness root is tied to a level of expectation that led to disappointment, that led to resentment, and now you are bitter. This is where you can find people who are in their old age still talking about stuff that happened when they were in their 30s because they're so bitter. They haven't forgave. They haven't looked at it. And so when I talk about this as it ties to my relationship with my dad, I was bitter for this man for years, like bitter, bitter. It wasn't until really like, and I felt like God was answering a prayer that I didn't know he was answering was just the acknowledgement that he knew in my heart that I didn't want to feel this. I have a deeper sense of compassion towards this man now that I'm like, there's a possibility of me building a relationship with him. And it's so, 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 it's so crazy to even say because that ain't my testimony, sis. But I I really want to be able to say that it's possible. It's very, 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 very possible to overcome this. So I'm going to give you some quick tips in how to deal with disappointment. This is not an exhausted list or a list that's limited, but I definitely want you to work through dealing with this, but also understand, I really want to give you the awareness of what it looks like because a lot of times we just don't know. So let's go through this list real quick. This episode of the Therapy is a Christian podcast is brought to you by Christ Couch. Hey girl, so if you're not familiar with Christ Couch, let me tell you all about it. So every single Monday, I send an email to my email list that is filled with so much information, so much value every single Monday. And I love to call it Christ Couch. Christ Couch is a place where we discuss countless topics, gather together as girlfriends, and share our daily walk through life, all while uplifting one another. Over time, I have been able to learn that Christ allows us to experience his goodness and true vulnerability through relationships. So let's take a seat and share it all on the couch. In this Monday email that you will receive every single Monday from me at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, you'll get a full-on devotional and prayer a little motivation Monday, I like to call it, where you get to start the week off with a little motivation and a weekly mental health tip that you can weekly and very easily add to your life. So if you're interested in Christ Couch, definitely go to the link in my show notes, completely free to you. You'll get an email every single Monday from me. And I cannot wait to share with you all the amazing things on the couch. Now let's get back to the show. So the first thing I really want to preface when I talk about this, before we get into like the practical points, I'm going to go spiritual for a second and then I'm going to go back into the practical. I think I want to say that God knows when we're disappointed. Recently I had a conversation with a friend that was experiencing some form of disappointment in um, her life and 
the thing that I believe is hard and, and what I can say for her is that she has the tools to know how to deal with disappointment. So her response, although it was really understanding the hurt, understanding that it's really also knowing that there's space emotionally with God when you have a level of disappointment. It doesn't take the pain away. So let me also preface, when I talk about this spiritually, this is not me masking over the feelings because that's not God. I am never a person that's going to say that God doesn't give space to feelings. That is not one, I believe who God is. And two, I just definitely just don't believe that's who God is. Like God doesn't mask our feelings. Like we have these scriptures to encourage and empower us, but that doesn't mean there's a mask over our feelings. I will talk about this till I'm blue in the face. God cares about your mental health and feelings are included in that, period. Don't ever let anybody tell you that. Here's scripture reference if we gonna have people that's gonna come at me about this. Let's go back to the Garden of Gethsemane. When, and I give this example all the time. The Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus had went and took the three disciples with him. They, he asked, this was right before he went to be killed. And I'm going to give the scripture reference so that we have this for ourselves, sis, okay? But this is when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. This was before he literally was about to be betrayed. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed, that was shortly after that was when the people came to get him to kill him and start the process of him actually being betrayed. So literally when he went to the garden of Gethsemane and was praying to God about the fact that he had to take the cup, he had said to God multiple times, this is in Luke 22, 39 through 46. And it says, he came out and went as it was his habit, the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him. Now he went and he arrived at the place. He said to them, pray and do not fall into temptation. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and began to pray saying, father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me yet not my will, but yours. God, this is the scripture. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him and being in agony. He was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And he rose from prayer and came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you do not come into temptation. But I want to preface verse 44. This is Luke twenty-two forty-four. And being in agony, he was praying fervently, meaning he was praying so hard, his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. I've given this example so many times when I've taught about how there is an actual physical ailment where your sweat can turn into blood. And I'm going to tell you what it's called. It's called hematohydrosis. And I'm going to probably find it on YouTube so I can pronounce this every time I give this. But it says, blood sweating is called, this word, a true hemodidrosis occurring in blood disorders. It may occur in individuals suffering from extreme stress. Around the sweat glands, there are multiple blood vessels in a net-like form which construct under great pressures or pressure of great stress. So Jesus was in agony. Imagine the level of feelings he felt being in agony, but was praying to God. The Bible didn't talk about how Jesus was, he knew he was going to take this cup and he knew he was going to die and he just like did it and he had no feelings behind it. We skip over that part. Like we acknowledge the savior. Yes, the savior definitely took on a cup. Jesus, in his foreknowledge, knew, I'm going to be killed. 
for humanity in his very humanistic way. Imagine somebody telling you your purpose in this life is to die for the entire world and literally know you're going to die and know you're going to be beaten and know you're going to be killed. Imagine how you would feel. You You are crazy for one, but to actually walk that out and do it sinless without cussing somebody out, that's what he did in his humanness. And so when I talk about God caring about your mental health, the father himself cared so much about his son's agony, he sent an angel to strengthen him. So even then, the father sent a messenger angel to comfort his son. So to, so when I hear people say that God doesn't hear you or care about your feelings or that feelings don't matter, like feelings do matter, but they aren't the foundation of our faith. Our faith is grounded in God, but they do come up. So to give space to disappointment to say that in our Christian walk, we're masking feelings. It's just foolishness to me. Like it just is foolishness. And I really don't want to say the word I want to say, but like, it's just foolishness to me to think that. And so when I go into like talking about disappointment, I really want to acknowledge, validate and help you understand that God knows and cares about your feelings, but he desires more that you rise above them. Okay. Because what happens is is when we don't rise above them, we leave space for sin. And when sin is there, we leave space for the enemy. We leave space for us making choices that that can be a detriment to our life. We leave space for time that's spent where God can actually come in and take residence. Like we leave space and open for time. And so with that being said, I want to acknowledge you. I want to validate you, but I also want to empower you. Don't mask feelings. Be vulnerable with God. Jesus literally laid his face down to the ground and was praying fervently about it and even asked God, can you please take this away from me? But I have to know I got to do it. So the first thing I want to do for you is acknowledge that it's very important to know that disappointment is real. Like acknowledge your feelings first. Acknowledge the fact that you were disappointed in a relationship with somebody that you were in a relationship with, a friendship. And and honestly, too, disappointment and acknowledgement can look like a lot like grieving. It can look a lot like grief. And a lot of us may not know how grief looks, but grieving feels like a loss. Feels like somebody's pulling something away from you. That's why like it can be very overwhelming at times to lose someone or stop a relationship with someone. That's why we're so used to that attachment that we have a hard time giving it up. But give yourself the time to feel that way. Acknowledge the letdown. Acknowledge the fact that it happened. Okay. And really work on knowing that the capacity of the person that disappointed you, the capacity of the situation that disappointed you, when I say capacity, meaning their ability or the ability to that thing to happen in the way that you expected didn't happen. And that's okay. That's totally, totally fine. Okay. The next thing I want you to really understand is to know that you're not a disappointment because it's easy to think and identify that a failure or something that happened makes us our identity, but that's not true. Just because that happened doesn't mean that we are it. Just because disappointment happened doesn't mean that it'll happen tomorrow or next time. Sometimes it won't. You can't label yourself as a disappointment, but you have to know that moving forward takes action and that it does take time. The third thing is, how can you learn from this? What is the one thing you can learn from this? How can you adjust to avoid this level of disappointment in the future? And what is one thing you can do differently next time? Those are some questions you can ask yourself, okay? Fourth, remind yourself, disappointment will happen 
if you go outside your comfort zone. Most of us don't even desire being out of our comfort zone, so we don't do it. And so what happens is we stay in this place of fear. We stay in this place of, I don't want that to happen, so I don't want to do it. We live in this place of, we have these desires to get out of our comfort zone and do things and grow, but we don't recognize that growth happens outside of the comfort zone. You're going to experience disappointment. People will fail you. You'll never know until you're out of the comfort zone. And everyone that is successful has experienced some level of disappointment and failure. Number five, refocus on what you still have in your life. What is the shift you need to make mentally and reframe those things so that you can be able to start being able to refocus on the things you want to do? Talk it over with someone who's close to you. That is one thing my friend did. She spent time literally multiple times throughout the last couple of days just talking to me, sharing her feelings, be vulnerable, share with someone. It's super important. Number seven, if your expectation is perfection, then adjust it. If you're expecting perfectionism in some way, shape, or form from people, you're not going to get it. But you also have to know that that expectation is very high and unrealistic. So how is that going to shift for you? What can you shift in perfecting and or thinking that people have to be perfect? It can be harmful to think that somebody has to be perfect or put so much clout in somebody to be a certain way, to be your fulfillment and all of those things. Take a break. Maybe you need to take a moment so that you can de-stress. I always say go to therapy. Talk through the disappointment. Talk through that with your therapist. Y'all have to also recognize that you have the authority in your therapy sessions to bring up stuff. It's not your therapist's job all the time. Your therapist brings up things to talk through with you, but you are in charge of your own healing. And so sometimes you have to bring up and say, hey, I want to talk about this disappointment. The ninth thing, get out of your own head. Staying in your mind doesn't help. Finding some way to release some of that. Maybe you need to go help someone else. Maybe you need to exercise. Maybe you need to get out of doing something else and get into a different routine. Find the energy to be able to be motivated again and help other people. That can help you as well. And then lastly, find a small step to moving forward again. What are the small things you need? If you need community, that's a big one, a big one. Okay, this can help improve our self-esteem. Most of the time we are struggling with self-doubt. It can be a lot of times tied to some level of disappointment. And so it's easy again to turn into ourselves so much when we're experiencing that. So I hope that was helpful. I pray that this episode blessed you. If it did, definitely share with me on social media. I would love to know. Share it with someone who you know has experienced disappointment. Share with a friend. Share with someone, sis. And I pray that it blesses you. All right, I love y'all and I'll talk to you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.